Welcome to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. This is episode 34, The Luby's Massacre. Hey everyone, welcome back to True Crime Works. I'm your host, Ash, and this week's episode is all about the Luby's Massacre. And this was a mass shooting that took place on October 16, 1991, in a Luby's cafeteria in Texas. The perpetrator was named George Hennard, and he drove his pickup truck through the front window of the restaurant, and he quickly shot and killed 23 people and wounded another 27 others. He had a brief shootout with the police and refused their orders to surrender and fatally shot himself after. At the time, this was the deadliest mass shooting by a lone gunman in U.S. history, and it was surpassed 16 years later by the Virginia Tech shooting. And the Luby's massacre surpassed the San Ysidro's McDonald's massacre, which was my topic of last week's episode. So go ahead and check out last week's episode on the San Ysidro's McDonald's massacre first, if you haven't already. Now, I actually didn't know what Luby's was before I did research for this episode, and it was a cafeteria-style restaurant located mostly in the Texas area. There were actually some still around in 2020, but Luby's announced that it will close all locations by August of 2021. So by looking at the pictures, I think it would be comparable to a Piccadilly cafeteria nowadays. The man responsible for this tragedy was named George Hennard. He was born on October 15, 1956 in Pennsylvania. He was born to an American mother and a Swiss father. His father was an expert in orthopedics, and he worked for army hospitals, so because of that, his family moved around constantly. He would later say that his parents didn't care much about him. And George was known for being quiet and antisocial in high school. He graduated from high school in the year 1974 and immediately joined the Navy. But in the Navy, he had many troubles. He was arrested for marijuana possession, and it was actually suspended because he got into a racial argument with a shipmate. And after that, he was arrested again for possession of marijuana, So he was released, and then he went from job to job and kind of drifted his way through the U.S. A week and a half before the massacre happened, he resigned from his job at a cement company. He was said to have been inspired to commit the Luby's massacre because he was watching a documentary about James Huberty, who was the man responsible for the San Ysidro's McDonald's massacre. And he also watched The Fisher King, which is a 1991 movie about this radio DJ who inspires a man into killing several people at a restaurant in a shooting. At 5.30 in the morning of the massacre, George Hennard walked into a convenience store. He bought a sausage and biscuit sandwich, orange juice, a candy bar, a newspaper, and a pack of old-fashioned donuts. He was a regular to that spot. He often went there six days a week. That particular day, however, the clerk at the store, a woman named Mary Mead, noticed something different about that man that day. She would tell the New York Times later, quote, 
George never smiled when he came in here. He just seemed like he had the world on his shoulders. He was a loner. He never talked. But yesterday, he seemed almost calm, even a little friendly. For the only time I can remember, usually, I was scared of him. End quote. He was also known to be racist and prejudiced against women. He once sent two sisters that lived a couple blocks away from him a five-page letter, which pretty much voiced his hatred to them. But he was also, in a weird way, obsessed with them. And he was angry with them for dancing with men the night before. It was really strange. But he was definitely prejudiced against women. And that'll come into play later. So on October 16, 1991, after he ate breakfast at the store, he drove to Luby's Cafeteria, which was about 17 miles away, and intentionally crashed his pickup truck into the building. He hit an elderly man in the process. So after he did this, people gathered around because they thought this was just some kind of accident. So while they did this, Hennard actually shot at the nearest people with two pistols that he legally purchased. He stepped out of his truck and yelled, quote, this is what Bell County has done to me, end quote. And then he just shot people that were hiding under tables. Several witnesses say that he was saying some really terrible things to female victims before he shot them. And they also said that he was smirking the entire time. After several minutes of shooting, he stopped what he was doing and walked around the restaurant. And this was when the then 28-year-old mechanic, Tommy Vaughn, seized this opportunity to throw himself through a glass window, shattering it and allowing a third of everyone still in there to escape, just as two police officers arrived there. And this was actually on Boss's Day, so there were many people there celebrating Boss's Day. So that's why the cafeteria was so busy that day. When the police officers arrived, Hennard engaged in a shootout with them and suffered four gunshot wounds. He then took cover in the cafeteria's restroom, and he only had one bullet left, so he shot himself and died. And his rampage went on for 15 very, very long minutes. He shot and killed 23 people and wounded another 27. After this tragic event, investigators tried to decide what the motive was for this and why this man would do something like this. Looking back at his past, no one really had anything nice to say about him. They all said that he was really antisocial and had a really bad temper. And there were also reports that he really hated women. A couple men that he worked with in the Navy said that he was also extremely racist. He also received some bad news in mid-February of that year, that his attempt to go back into the Navy had been denied. Today's episode is sponsored by Relief Factor. Pain from everyday living, exercise, or just getting older is one of the leading causes of trips to the doctor and sleepless nights. It interferes with daily activities and can even keep us from spending time with the people we love. If you have everyday pain, it stands to reason you need something you can feel comfortable with taking every day. That's why doctors invented a 100% drug-free relief factor. 
Now, tens of thousands of customers are using Relief Factor every day to become mostly or completely pain-free. 100% drug-free Relief Factor features four key ingredients that work on a different metabolic path to support your body's natural healing processes to respond to pain and inflammation. Now you can try Relief Factor too. The three-week quick start retail price of almost $70 is now available to our listeners for just $19.95. Head to the link in our show notes to find out more. Start your journey to better health and less pain today with Relief Factor. A pink granite memorial stands behind the community center with the date of the event and the names of the people that were killed. Luby's restaurant actually reopened five months after the massacre. It would permanently close on September 9th of 2000. As of 2020, a Chinese-American buffet is located at the location. I spoke earlier about the then 28-year-old man named Tommy Vaughn, who was there at the time. He gave an interview later to Reporting Texas, and this was on June 7th, 2019, and this was 28 years after the mass shooting. At the time, he was 6 feet 6 inches tall and 349 pounds. He remembers laying on the carpet and thinking, quote, I am going to die on this ugly carpet today, end quote. At the time, he was there with eight of his co-workers from a local car dealership, and they paid for their food, and they were about to sit down in the back of the restaurant when the gunman drove through in his car, and he drove right into the serving line. Vaughn ordered fish and vegetables, and he actually did not decide to get dessert this time, which was a part of his normal routine, and he believes that's what actually saved him. And he said, quote, I was 349 pounds at the time. I didn't get there by not eating dessert. Had I stopped even for two seconds to look at the desserts, I would have been right at the serving line where the car stopped, end quote. So since he wasn't there, he was able to hide under a table next to a large black window. His friend told him to kick through the glass, but the only thing he did there was draw attention to himself. And he remembers the gunman was actually coming over there, and that really scared him because he believed he would be next. In a moment of what he believes to be fight-or-flight desperation, he stood up and flung his large frame against the eight-foot windows. And that actually worked. So because of this big hole, dozens of people were actually able to get out also, including Vaughn's co-workers. And he only needed eight stitches on his arm, which was a small price to pay for a second chance at life. And he also insisted that, quote, I was not the hero. I was trying to save myself, end quote. But he definitely is a hero. And he said for months after the shooting happened, his colleagues and him had weekly meetings to help them get through everything that happened. He said that right after the shooting happened, Oprah invited him and the survivors on the show. And then he actually met with the vice president at the time, Dan Quayle, during the campaign. But he said that shortly after that, the country moved on. But he still has a hard time when he goes to a restaurant because he keeps an eye on everyone walking in and out. And he sits in a place where he knows he can get out quickly and safely if he needs to. And he also wonders why he got the chance to live when so many others in there did not. Of course, this was a very traumatizing day for him. 
but he refers to it as the, quote, best day because it gave him a second chance at life. Like I said before, he was 349 pounds at the time. Now, at 55 years old, he weighs 220 pounds. So he believes the second chance at life is really what helped him become healthy again. So that's pretty inspirational. So no one knows exactly what was going through George Hennard's head at the time, or why exactly he chose to do something like this. The motive is still listed as inconclusive. Overall, this is just a really shocking and tragic case. It's so sad that so many people had to lose their lives, and so many other people had to have their lives changed forever because of this, the actions of one man. It's also so terrifying to think that one day, you could be eating lunch, celebrating boss's day with some colleagues, and then all of a sudden, some gunman comes in and changes your life forever. This would remain the deadliest mass shooting by a lone gunman in the United States history, and that was until it was surpassed 16 years later by the Virginia Tech shooting. Thank you all for listening to this episode of True Crime Works. I really hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing the research for it. If you enjoyed this episode, if you could, please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you could, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show out, and it helps others find the show. Thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. If you have any ideas for upcoming cases, you can email me, truecrimeworks at gmail.com. Or you can also send me a message on Instagram and be sure to follow me over there. It's at True Crime Works and you'll see the logo. And I check that pretty much every day. I hope everyone has a great rest of your week and I look forward to talking to you next week.